Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. You are listening to episode number 105 of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Today, we're talking with Ruth Magnuson Davis about the October Testament slash the New Matthew Bible. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast with Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Using an interview format, Pastor Bob will introduce you to men and women whose ministries are impacting this world with the gospel and will also provide commentary and insight on end-time prophetic events we now see happening in the news. Now here is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello everyone everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to a dual broadcast today on the Kingdom Crossroads podcast and everything church related. Praise God. Uh, this is a podcast where we're going to interview guests, special guests that are affiliated with the Bible and ministry. And we ask them questions, do these interviews to help them out in their ministry and also to help our listeners grow in their faith. Amen. So while you're listening today, go over to iTunes, click on there, leave us a review and send us an email. Tell us that uh, you're listening because we appreciate all of them. On today's program, I want to introduce introduce to you Ruth Magnuson Davis with Baruch House Publishing. Now, Ruth is going to talk about the Matthew Bible, what it is, and the history behind it. But Ruth, first of all, welcome to the broadcast today. It's such a blessing to have you here. Thank you very much for having me on, Pastor Bob. Hey, man, well, can you give our listeners a brief background of yourself and, and how you got started down the road with this project? Sure. Um, I'm a retired lawyer, and I retired about seven years ago so that I could work on this project, which Mm. I call the New Matthew Bible. Um, But before I get to just explaining what the Matthew Bible is, just about my faith journey, Mm -hmm. um, I was always a seeker. I was raised in an atheist home, Mm. um, but was always a seeker, and I never believed that there was no God. (laughs) And, however, the last place in the world that I would have searched for the truth was Christianity. Mm. But when I was 44 years old and realized that I had not yet discovered the truth, I reluctantly went to a presentation of the gospel, and I believed, and I was saved. And was that? that was Where was that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was the uh, Nikki Gumbel course. Now, I'm trying to, uh, the name of it is just, it was very um, popular for a while. It kind of swept around the world. It was it's a very gentle introduction to Christianity. Hmm. Um, and the name of it just escaped my mind, unfortunately, right <laughs> okay. now. <laughs> I'm just curious. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, I uh, wish I could remember it. But anyway, um, I did believe, and I, and I, as the Bible says, I passed from death to life in the joy of the Amen. Holy Spirit. And that was October the 5th, 1998. And so I turned from the world, and I began to read um, the Bible for the first time in my life. And I began to read about the Bible, anything I could get my hands on. But mm. as, as the years went on, um, I was dissatisfied with the... I found I was dissatisfied with the Bibles I was reading. And... Then I discovered William Tyndale's uh, Modern Spelling New Testament, which has been put out by a man named David Daniel. And when I read that, I realized that I had found what I was looking for. 
I just felt fully fed by his New Testament. And so I began to uh, read his works, which are available in various editions. And then I discovered the Matthew Bible. Um, William Tyndale uh, contributed the New Testament to the Matthew Bible. And I taught myself how to read their early English typography. And you mean the Elizabethan um, English? Yes. Or, actually, it's from King Henry's era. Okay. And I, I loved, especially the prophets in the Matthew Bible. They're, they're the clearest and the easiest to understand of any of the modern Bibles. Hmm. And uh, I, a friend of mine then suggested that I should update William Tyndale's New Testament, because even though it is easy to understand, even easier than the King James, it's still, the, the, a lot of the English is so obsolete mm. and difficult. And at first I thought that was a crazy suggestion, <laughs> but it, it kind of stayed with me. And I ended up praying about it, and for four years I prayed about it, and then I just, I, I realized that if I, I needed, the world needed to have the Matthew Bible again. I just love it so much. Amen. And I believe it has got such a depth of truth in it. And it's the only Bible that is bought with blood. It's made by three men, and two of them were burned at the stake for their work. Mm. And so I retired from the practice of law. I'd practiced law for 28 years, but I retired, and I began my work studying early modern English grammar and, wow. and, yeah, and, and updating the New Testament. And so then the New Testament came out um, in 2016. Uh, we published okay. it under the name The October Testament. October Testament. Now, how'd you come up with that? Well, uh, the short answer is that I prayed about it because I, I, I realized that to say, to call it the New Testament of the New Matthew Bible <laughs> was too much of a mouthful, and it, it just came to me, and then I began to realize why it, it was a good name. Um, it uh, Some of your listeners will probably know that when Martin Luther produced his New Testament uh, at the very beginning of the Reformation, it was called the September Testament, okay. and October is the month that comes afterward. Yep. Amen. Um, October is a really significant month in the Reformation. Uh, Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg on October the 17th of, uh, it was October, yeah, I believe it was October the 17th. Um, it was October that my Matthew Bible that I have was published. Okay. It was October that Miles Coverdale published his Bible, which the Matthew Bible drew on. It was October 6th that William Tyndale was killed. Mm. It was October the 5th that I was born again. Wow. It was October that I finished my work on the New Testament. <laughs> and then again, I... And this is actually probably the main reason... October is a month that signals the approach of the end of the year. And the way things are now in the world, with Christianity having spread all over the world, uh, the trouble that's arising all mm -hmm. over the world, I really wonder if we're not in the October of the age. Mm. And so it just, it just seemed fitting for so many reasons. Amen. Now, tell us about the Matthew Bible itself. Uh, how did you go about doing this translation? Was it verse by verse, word by word? How did you do it? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I started by reading uh, grammars, uh, histories of 
of the English language and studying early modern English grammar. And there are textbooks uh, about that. So I be, I, and I've always loved languages. I, I didn't mention that I had my undergraduate degree in French and German. Mm, and I learned back yeah. then that I just love grammar. I find grammar exciting and fun. <laughs> and um, so I really did some serious grammar studies, and I also read many books from that era, and I tracked mm. word usages. And I went through... Um, the New Testament, uh, yes, verse by verse, and then I went, continually went back and returned to the books as I gained in my understanding and of Greek and English. And I don't know Greek. I'm not presenting myself as any kind of a Greek scholar, but one of the things that I did do was I, I, I prepared word studies, I call them, and I've got over 3,000 of them. Really? Where I... Where I took an English word, I divided it into three categories, meanings that are obsolete, the meanings that arose after Tyndale wrote, so they couldn't have been in his mind, and then the meanings that were current then and are current now. And then I tracked it along with the Greek words that he was translating. So I did have a system, and I recorded the updates that I made, and I would go back and recheck them, and then I would identify patterns, and it's probably getting too tedious and complicated <laughs> for your listeners, but I, I did approach it. Though, so. I approached it quite scientifically. And, um, yeah, and, and also I just I tried to read everything that they read. So I, re- I began mm. to read the Church Fathers, because they refer a lot to Augustine. William mm-hmm. Tyndale really liked Augustine, although he disagreed with him about some things. Um, and I read Martin Luther because I knew that Tyndale was reading Martin Luther. And um, so I just tried to immerse myself in the period and, uh, yeah, and, and, and learn, in, learn their English. So, so you that didn't I could, just look at the dictionary definition. You were actually trying to look at the materials they were reading when yes. they did this translation. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's that's. See, I find things like this fascinating. I mean, oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of times when I'm delivering a message somewhere, I'll get into, you know, well, the Greek word for this is this, but the Hebrew word for this is this, and both of them mean the same thing, which isn't what the English word means. <laughs> yes, and you know, you know, a really interesting thing I discovered, Pastor Bob, was that the the biblical Greek vocabulary was about roughly 5,000 words going by Strong's Concordance. Yeah. And, I mean, I realize there's different ways to, to count that, but just mm. speaking very generally. And the, the early modern English vocabulary was roughly the same size, roughly mm. 5,000 words. Okay. Now, English has grown so that now we have more than 70,000 words in our vocabulary and words are used very differently than they were back then. So, for example, the word mansion. Um, you know, the man- word mansion is used in funny ways in, mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Uh, uh, there's that verse, in my father's house are, very, are many mansions. Mm-hmm. Well, now a mansion just means a large stately house. Mm-hmm. But back then, um, it could even mean a tent or a stopping place in a journey or a room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had very many meanings, 
And See, I'm, I'm glad we, you said that because I've been criticized about that. I said oh. the same thing. And mm-hmm. uh, no, 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 it's a mansion. You know, Jesus said a mansion. He meant a mansion. But the, the Aramaic and the Hebrew means a room. I'm going to go fix you up a room. You know, it's like, you know, a big condominium, right. 1,500 miles square, you know, and you're going to have a room in that big cube, you know. The, and, I mean, it doesn't make sense to say that there would be a big stately house in a house. Right. It only it's, makes exactly sense to right. say there would be a room in a house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but the interesting thing is that the languages were a good fit. So the words, sh- that when a word has many meanings, it's called polysemous, or many seams, uh, 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 poly seams, many meanings. So mm-hmm. the Greek and the English shared polysemy. So take the, take the Greek verb uh, scandalizo and the English verb offend. They had nuances of meaning that are completely unfamiliar to us now, mm. but they shared them. So anyway, I realized that the Greek, the biblical Greek, and the early modern English were a really good fit, and that Tyndale's mind was probably better equipped to understand the ancient Greek than the modern mind is. And that, and that is one of the reasons why he was so f- such a good translator and such a fit translator. Another reason why the hierarchy, the political establishment of that day, didn't like him. You know, I mean, he's mm -hmm. stepping on toes with his translation. Yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah, he was actually breaking the laws with his translation. Because it was illegal at that time for any unauthorized uh, person to translate the Bible. And you, you could be burned alive for doing it. Amen. So, you're doing the Matthew Bible, and Mm -hmm. as it's drawing to a close, and you're winding everything up, what was your biggest fear? My biggest fear during this work was Mm -hmm. of making a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Of of, Yes, that was my biggest fear. I, I prayed constantly uh, that the Lord would guide me, and, you know, Miles Coverdale, one of the contributors of the Matthew Bible, said, we all make mistakes. There's no man perfect, and there's no man who understands it all. Yeah. But that was my biggest fear. I, I just wanted to get it right. And I think probably another fear is that people would not, some of the up that people would not understand the reason for some of the updates that I did. I, I really I I don't feel that I did that many, but just along the lines of what you were saying, people they have their ideas about what the word mansion means, and that they would not accept that yeah. maybe in fact the word did need to be updated, and that there are some things that needed to be updated. Yeah, amen. So that was my other fear, is that people wouldn't wouldn't accept it or wouldn't understand it. How's the reception been so far? So far it's been very, very good. Um, peop- uh, quite a few people come back and they order second and third oh, copies. Yeah. Uh, it's been well received um, through with WorldNet Daily, WND. They're mm-hmm. selling it. And I've given a free license to use the scriptures to Olive Tree. Uh, they have an, an application where people can look up verses on their, their telephones, their cell phones. Mm-hmm. And they've had over 33,000 downloads. Wow. And I've given a free license to Gateway Bible as well, mm-hmm. and we're expecting that to go public in a couple of weeks. 
Um, but still, you know, even with all that, the challenge is getting the word out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. How long did it take you to do the translation? How long was your project? Well, the new t- I've only done the New Testament so far, and it took me seven years. And that's just the book um, of Matthew, right? That's, well, that's the New Testament. Oh, okay. You know, I should maybe explain for your listeners yeah, what the Matthew Bible do. is. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, it's, very few people have heard of it, but they actually know it better than they think, because if they've ever read the King James Bible, and I'm sure a lot of them have, um, the, the, the King James was based on the Matthew Bible. Okay. And computer, computer studies have shown that the New Testament in the King James is 83% taken from the Matthew Bible. Uh-huh. So anyway, okay. about it. It was first published in 1537, and it's the work of three men, William Tyndale, John Rogers, and Miles Coverdale. Okay. So William Tyndale gave us the New Testament and about half of the Old, the first half of the Old Testament. Then he was captured, and he was killed by the Roman Catholic authorities under mm. heresy laws under the continent. In, he was killed in October of 1536. Okay. After he was killed, his friend John Rogers took his manuscripts and gathered them together to make a Bible, but he needed the rest of the Old Testament and the Apocrypha. So for that, he turned to a Bible that had been published in 1535 by his friend, Miles Coverdale. Coverdale and John Rogers and Tyndale were a trio of men that knew each other and worked together in Antwerp, and out of their association came the Matthew Bible. Mm-hmm. So, so Rogers took um, the, the scriptures that Tyndale had not been able to complete, Rogers took from Coverdale's Bible, put them all together. Then he added a whole pile of study aids and notes and commentaries, which he took from Martin Luther and and from other reformers. He had a church calendar that holds to a young earth. Uh, He had a little statement of of doctrinal uh, uh, questions and a concordance. Put it all together, and and it really was the first English uh, study Bible, and published it in 1537, sent it over to England from where he was in Antwerp, and then King Henry authorized it to go forth. He licensed it in 1537. So that's what the Matthew Bible is. I was supposed to ask you that question up front, and I completely missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. We got it in, though. We got it in. So you did the entire New Testament in seven years, doing yeah. a verse-by-verse study almost. Yes, and, and wow. but of course, you know, the first several years were just getting myself up to speed with grammar and language issues, mm-hmm. so there was, a, there was a lot of, I felt like I was studying for my B.A. in early modern English <laughs> grammar at the I beginning bet. of it. You know, it took me three or four years, really, to feel that I, I, I really knew what I was talking wow. about and working with. Well, that's a lot of study to do just for a project, but you're working for God, so he was blessing it and, and bringing you along. Amen. I I pray that that be true, yes. Amen. So, it's published under the name October Testament. How can people order it? Can they get it on Amazon or what? Um, yes, they can get it on Amazon. They can go to my website, which is OctoberTestament.com, okay. and there's some links there. I'm still, I have some hard 
uh, cover copies left from the, the first printing. The paperback is available on Amazon. Okay. Right. And also WND is selling the hardcover, the, a second printing of the hardcover. Amen. So if they order from you, they get the hardcover. They did, yeah. Amen. Okay. And then if they go on Amazon, it's a soft cover. Right, the paperback. Okay. okay. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's interesting. So what's your next venture? Are you going to do the Old Testament now? Yes, right now I'm working on um, a history of the Matthew Bible, however. So I've done the New Testament, I'm taking a break now, and I'm working on a history and story of the Matthew Bible. And then when I'm finished, I'm going to get to work, God willing, I'm going to get to work on the Old Testament. Um, but I am finding that the story of the Matthew Bible is growing and growing, and um, I think I'm going to have to produce it in three volumes. <laughs> just... just, just the first volume is going to be just a straight history, and I want to set some of the records straight because there's a lot of confusion out there about the Matthew Bible. Um, even today, some people are will deny that Miles Coverdale had anything to do with the, mm. the you know, which is a mistake. And then the second volume, I want to track through the revisions to the Matthew Bible that have taken place over the years. Okay. So what happened was the Matthew Bible was taken into the stream of English Bibles uh, in the Great Bible, which was the basis for the Great Bible, the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Geneva. Bible, the KJV, the Revised Version, and so on. And I want to track through what happened. And one of the most fascinating things is the difference in translation philosophy. Mm. So when Let Tindale, me ask you, because you're probably an expert on this. What is the big difference between the 1611 King James and the Matthew Bible? Well, I would, I would, as to translation, I would identify two issues. One is the preference for the literalistic approach in the King James, and the other is the Latinisms mm. that they took from the rhymes. But... The literal approach is, is very significant, and I do have an example. It's a quick example, but it's okay. very dramatic. That might be interesting. At Galatians 5.12, <clears throat> as you know, this is where um, uh, Paul is warning the Galatians not to, tur not to turn to um, the Mosaic Law for justification. Mm -hmm. um, but he's you know, saying, you know, our salvation is in, in Christ and we're free from the law. Uh, and the Judaizers were troubling the Galatians. So Galatians 5.12 in Tyndale's New Testament says, I would to God they were separated from you which trouble you. So that is what would be called a full translation. But in the Geneva Bible, they adopted the literalistic translation approach, and they put, I would to God they were cut off from you which do disquiet you. So they used cut off from you instead of separated from you. So then this was uh, taken a bit further in the King James, and they said, I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. Sounded like they went back to the original almost. Well, they took the concrete sense rather than the figurative sense, mm -hmm. which is only really half a translation. Mm -hmm. But then it's interesting to see what happened with the modern Bibles. So in the uh, 
the Jerusalem Bible of 1968, tell those who are disturbing you, I would like to see the knife slip. Mm. The RSV has, I wish those who unsettle you would mutilate themselves. Wow. That's the quite has, Yeah, see, what they've done is they went from the true figurative sense to the concrete, literal mm. expression to the wrong figurative yeah. sense. The yep. Niv has, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Mm. I mean, that's a really ugly and a terrible yeah. image. Yeah, especially for a Bible. Especially for a Bible. So in the October Testament, we've got what Tyndale had. I would to God they were separated from you, those yeah. who trouble you. Amen. Amen. Well, Ruth, I want to thank you for coming on our program today. It's been enlightening, to say the least. Uh, can you give us your contact information if someone wants to reach out to you with questions or maybe do another interview or anything like that, maybe order the Bible? Uh, yeah, I've got, well, there's the website that I mentioned, um, mm -hmm. octobertestament.com. I also have a, uh, what I call a central website, which is ruthmagnusondavis.com. Spell that. That's Ru and then, so it's R-U-T-H. Mm -hmm. M A G N U S O N Davis D A V I S dot com, and there's a contact form there. And I've just started up a little blog with some interesting things that I'm discovering as I research the history. Amen. And yeah, people can contact me there, and they can also check out some of the other publications. Amen. And then subscribe to the blog and stay up to date on everything at the same time. Yes, if they like, yep. Yeah, amen, amen. Well, Ruth, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to talk with us for a little bit today. I found it very interesting. I could keep going, but, you know, our time's <laughs> come to an end. Okay, uh, all right. Until next time, time, folks, this is Pastor Robert Thibodeau along with Ruth Magnuson Davis telling you and reminding you to be blessed in all that you do.